Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. How many of you love the Word of God? And are ever so thankful and so grateful that God has made provisions for us in His Word. How many of you appreciate the fact that you have freedom to study God's Holy Word? And you do not take this liberty for granted. Let us be thankful to God this night that we can assemble ourselves together without persecution to break the bread of life together with one another. In the book of Galatians chapter 5, prayerfully we will conclude our teaching this evening on developing God's character. Lord willing, that is. And let's just read verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith or faithfulness, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Father, thank you for your word and the anointing upon your word. Thank you for your spirit and his teaching ministry. We yield now unto thy spirit that we may know the truth that makes us free. Thank you for enlarging our capacity to receive revelation knowledge of all things that pertain to life and godliness. Thank you for words of utterance in the Holy Ghost to boldly proclaim the truth and demonstration of your spirit of power that our faith would stand not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Thank you for ears to hear, a heart to receive, and minds to be open, as we on purpose set ourselves to receive from thy precious holy word this night, in Jesus' name, amen. And let's very quickly just look at temperance. Temperance, because that's the one we haven't discussed yet. There's a whole lot more we can say about goodness. And the last one we mentioned was goodness. And we emphasize the fact that a good man out of the good deposits that he makes into the treasury of his heart brings forth good things. And in reality, we can say that about everything here that we've discussed. The only way that we're going to develop the character of God and walk in light of the character of God in each and every one of our lives is by making deposits of good things into the treasury of our heart, of our hearts. We've, we've got to do that. You can't do that for somebody else. When it comes to developing the character of God, we have to do it for ourselves. Now, we could learn from others. You see, we could learn from others. And thank God for the insight that others have. But when it comes to developing the character of God, we're on our own. We must respond to the Spirit of God, to the Word of God, and give Him permission. This is so important to understand. To give Him permission to change us from glory to glory. Otherwise, it will not be done. If we don't do something about it, it will not be done. So, let's look to God's holy word and let's talk about temperance here. Let's just begin by giving you a few definitions. Temperance is love's constraint. Temperance 
is love's constraint. Love's constraint. By definition, temperance means moderation in the indulgence of appetites or passions. It means self-restraint in conduct or self-discipline. Before I go any further, may I reemphasize something? The hour of decision is at hand. The hour of decision is at hand. We must make a decision whether or not we are going to heed the instructional teaching of God's holy word. We sit in a privileged place this night, my brothers and sisters. A place where God's word has preeminence and goes forth in the power of the spirit. A place where we are not given unto spiritual theatrics and emotionalism. But the emphasis is placed on living in the reality of God's word for permanent success. I want to encourage each and every one of us to pay strict attention to what God is saying to us in his word and by his spirit. And to avail ourselves to what is being spoken. To what is being said. Because, you see, God has given ministry gifts for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, so that we can all come into the unity of the faith, to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man. And the Father is wanting the body of Christ to grow to a place of spiritual perfection, maturity, and growth. He wants us to make the decision to develop the character of God and to grow in the ability of God by applying ourselves to the Word of God and yielding ourselves to the Spirit of God. Your body doesn't want to have anything to do with it. Your mind and intellect doesn't want to have anything to do with it. You as a spirit being, you've got to focus in on spiritual things and you've got to become tenacious in your faith and you've got to become violent and use violent force to, to stop the upheaval that's taking place in your own physical makeup. And say, mind, settle down and listen to the Word of God. Body, settle down and respond to what is being said. I've said it before, I'll say it again. As far as I'm concerned... We must go on with God. We must grow in God. And I will not be complacent. I refuse to be complacent. I'm not satisfied with my experience in God. Are you? I am not. So from this pulpit, you're going to hear me admonish you time again, time and time again, and exhort you to get back into the study of God's Word. Open your ears and have ears to hear. Get a hold of your body and tap your cheek to keep awake while I'm preaching God's Word from this pulpit. If I may be so bold to say. Now say amen or say ouch. Amen. Praise God. Now let's continue on. <laughs> By definition, temperance means moderation in the indulgence of appetites 
or passions. Self-restraint in conduct. Self-discipline. The Holy Ghost is not going to come down out of heaven to prop open your eyes. It will take self-discipline. It will take diligence. Why are you being so bold this night? Because we are not playing games with God. Because we are a serious, sincere people of God. And we will do what it takes to get a hold of every person available to help them enter into that place with God that He wants them to be in. And if it means using a little bit of spiritual authority to do so, then that's what we will do. Praise God. Why? Because we're looking out for your souls. That's right. The average Christian doesn't care a whole lot about himself. If you think about it. They're not all that much concerned about their spiritual progress. And that's why I'm talking about just out there an average Christian. That's why he had to have pastors. Why do you think he calls them sheep? They need somebody to look after their souls. <laughs> They'll just take everyone the doctrine that comes along. And if you can find one that says, you don't have to control the indulgence of your appetite and flesh, they say, I'm going to that church. It doesn't matter whether or not you put restrictions or restraints upon your actions. It's okay to do this, brother. It's okay to do that, sister. I'm going to that church. Well, my brothers and sisters, if you want to go to that church, that's okay. If you're not concerned about eternity. But if you're concerned about eternity, you don't want to go to that church. You want to go to where you're going to hear the truth that's going to make you free. It's going to step on your toes. It's going to shake you from your shoulders and let you know that your flesh is an enemy. To let you know that your mind and emotions and your will can be an enemy. That your sensual desires and your emotional passions can be enemies if they're not controlled by the Spirit that God gave you in the new birth. Amen. That's what self-control, that's what temperance is. Love's ability to control our emotional passions and sensual appetites and desires. Temperance is moderation in the indulgence of appetites and desires or passions of the flesh and emotions. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning at verse 9 with me, and we'll give you another definition. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 9. Verse 9 says, Wherefore we labor, or we eagerly strive, that whether present or absent, that's from the body, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. For we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, 
that you may have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearance and not in heart. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is for your cause, for the love of Christ, now underline this word, constraineth us. For the love of God constraineth us. Constraint means the state of being checked, restricted, or compelled to avoid or perform some action, a certain action. Once again, it is a state of being checked, restricted, or compelled to avoid or to perform some action, a specific action or a certain action. Now, Paul was saying here that love is that constraining force. See, a spirit-controlled life is a love-controlled life. And love being demonstrated in temperance restricts us from performing that which is evil and compels us to perform that which is good. And Paul was saying, I am so under the sway of divine love that God's divine love has control of my emotions and of my passions, of my appetites and of my essential desires. Love manifesting itself in control is temperance. Love controlling the emotions and the appetites of the believer is temperance. Restricting us to avoid that which is evil, compelling us to perform that which is good. And that's exactly what Paul was saying here. And if you read this in context, you'll find out that he was saying it's, it's work. We have to eagerly strive so that while we are in this physical body, we can be well-pleasing unto the Lord our God. He was saying, although people who judge according to the appearance of things may think you're mad or you're beside yourself, it doesn't concern me what people think about me. I am concerned about what God thinks about me. So, it's under God that we allow love to control our emotions, our passions, our appetites, and sensual desires. And although it may appear as though we are mad or beside ourselves, I know it's love's restraining power. I know it's love's compelling power that is controlling my emotions to act as I act. And it doesn't really matter to me, he is saying, what people think. I know that love is controlling my life. I know I am living a spirit-controlled life. 
I know that love has gained the ascendancy over my emotions and passions. See, people were saying, Paul, you need to retaliate. Paul, you should be mad at these people. Paul, you should be upset. You should be acting this way. You should be getting even. You should be angry. You should be worried. You should be fearful. You should be anxious and all these things. But the Apostle Paul was saying, no, I've learned not to live that way. I've learned to allow love to control my emotional passions and my sensual appetites and desires. And because love has full sway in my life and is controlling me, I am compelled to believe the best about every man. I am compelled to love every person. I am restricted from judging people. He goes on to say, look at the, the, the latter part of that verse. Verse 14, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we ju thus judge, that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Paul knows I've got to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. I'm not out for revenge. I'm not out for retaliation. I'm not out to do my own thing. I am out to live a spirit-controlled life, a love-controlled life. I am out to allow the spirit to control my emotional passions and sensual desires. I'm not going to judge people after the flesh. I'm not even going to see them after the flesh. I'm allowing love to have its perfect sway in my life. And he allowed love to restrict him from that which was evil, he allowed love to compel him to do or to perform that which was good. And you know why? The answer is found up back there. Look at verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now notice. That everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it was good and that word bad there, or bad means evil or worthless. You know that your emotional passions and your sensual appetites and desires will have you doing things that are worthless and things that are evil? Why? Because your body has been taught wrong. See, we go all the way back to the beginning and we discover that when God created man in his own image and in his own likeness, he put every good thing inside that human being. All of his emotional passions and all of his sensual desires and appetites were good. He was under the perfect control of his spirit. His spirit dominated all of his actions. Every good thing that God put in him was called a healthy, controlled desire. It was not evil and it was not wrong. His desire for a physical relationship with his wife was a healthy, controlled desire. His desire to eat food for sustenance was a healthy, controlled desire. His desire to satisfy any needs of the flesh was a healthy, controlled desire because the environment that he was in was a perfect environment. But when Adam sinned and opened up the door to the law of sin and death, then 
upheaval took place. Now, we know upheaval took place in the animal kingdom. We know upheaval took place in the vegetable kingdom. We know that the ground was cursed. We know that God said it will bring forth thistles and it will bring forth thorns. We realize all that. But sometimes I think we fail to realize that man was not always in the condition that he is in right now. Upheaval took place in the makeup of man, in the triunity of man. Man's spirit was affected, man's soul was affected, and man's body was affected. And the healthy, controlled desires, the wholesome desires and appetites of the flesh and emotional passions of the flesh, they were all healthy and controlled. But when upheaval came, they became unhealthy and uncontrolled desires of man. And his desire was to please his sensual passions and appetites and not to restrict himself from anything he desired. Consequently, he was at the mercy of his own physical makeup. Once a healthy relationship in the physical realm with his wife, now an unhealthy, uncontrolled desire. You know, that's exactly what lust is. Lust is an unhealthy, uncontrolled desire. See, there's nothing wrong with the desire. We have to understand this. The desire is healthy if it's controlled. And in the environment that God created man, it was healthy because it was controlled. But when the seed of sin entered into the heart of man and caused upheaval and his spirit was alienated from love, he became selfish, self-centered, self-willed and set out to, to gratify his own sensual desires and passions. And that's when his body began to rule him and cause him to walk in darkness and to set out to gratify those desires. Upheaval took place in the very makeup of man. So what is God going to do? He looks down upon the face of the earth. He says, it's, I repented myself that I ever made man upon the face of the earth because everything that he produces out of his heart is evil. I gave him a physical relationship with his wife, a healthy desire, and he has abused that and perverted that by the forces of darkness. Look at the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. By the time it came to Noah, it was so bad. Man had no self-control. He had no restraint. No conviction of sin. Death seized the sovereignty. Sin reigned supreme. And he didn't realize right from wrong. Set out to gratify his own sensual desires. Uncontrolled, uncontrolled passions and sensual appetites. Controlled his life. God looked down upon the face of the earth. He says, I can't take this any longer. And had to wipe out the whole creation. Except, of course, no one is family. Can you imagine that? Why? Because of a lack of self-control. Because of not responding to God. That which is moral. Morally right. And that which is good. And if you look at it, it goes right on back to the sin uh, of, of adultery, fornication, whatever you want to call it. Genesis chapter 6. See, they could not control their sensual desires. They could not control their emotional passions. See, we have a tendency, brothers and sisters, 
that when we teach along the lines of temperance, we have a tendency to think, God's talking about me overeating. I eat too much. And, and that's it. That's exa- or sex. But you see, God is talking about something that is taking place or not taking place inside the heart of a person. Inside the spirit of that person. Because as long as that spirit was in, in, in harmony with God's spirit, as long as that spirit was under the control or the sway of God's spirit and God's love, then man brought forth everything that was good. And all his passions and all his desires were controlled. They were healthy. They lined up with, with the morals of God, God's standards of morality. But the moment he was separated or severed from the life of God, he no longer had control of his passions and desires. His sensual appetites just took him over. And he walked in the light of those things, the Bible says, because of the darkness of his heart. His spirit was alienated from the life of God. So he walked according to the ignorance of the darkness that was within him. And now, since we've been born again, and now, since we have the life and the nature of God imparted to our spirit, and now, since we have the love of God inside of our hearts, and now, because we have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, temperance, self-control, and faithfulness, see, now, we can produce out from our spirit what God intended for us to produce way back there in the beginning. But you notice it's much more difficult right now than it was back then because there was nothing else, you see, to interfere with the plan of God. There were no seeds of darkness that were sown into the hearts of God's people. The body of man was not in a fallen state. The body of man was in a perfect human state, the way God created him. But now all of a sudden, we are in a warfare. We become born again. We have God's life and His nature inside of our spirit And our emotions have not changed. Our physical composition has not changed. Our sensual desires have not changed. They've been taught to do wrong. They've been taught to control. They've been taught to dominate. They want to dominate. They've been taught to ignore the things of love, to ignore the things of the Spirit. They've been taught to rebel against the plan of God. Why? Because the teacher on the inside was the teacher of darkness, the spirit of disobedience when we lived in darkness. And that teacher on the inside taught us to do what is wrong, taught our flesh to desire what is wrong, taught our flesh to have insatiable desires, desires that could never be satisfied, desires that will never be controlled. A man gets himself caught up in, 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 on alcohol and, and he begins to drink and he begins to drink and he begins to drink and he's never satisfied and he's never satisfied and he's never satisfied. So he drinks and he drinks and he drinks and he drinks and he's never satisfied and he's never satisfied. One day goes by, he's got to have it the next day. The next day goes by, he's got to have it the next day. Why is it? Can't you ever get filled to satisfaction? No, because those desires will never be satisfied through alcohol. Well, then what in the world is he crying out for? His passions, his desires, the things that he doesn't realize is the fact that his appetites, his desires, his emotional passions can only be satisfied when they come in a harmony with the love of God. Because the void that exists inside the heart of that human being has got to be filled with God because it was put there or placed there when man was severed from God. These these appetites and these desires that we have 
are a result of our separation from the Spirit of God, the, the love of God, the controlling, restraining, compelling power of God. And until a person once again has a relationship with God and is filled with the life of God, the overflowing with the life of God, he will or she will always have desires, passions, appetites that will never be satisfied. But when that person comes to God and fills himself or herself with the life and the nature of God, with the Spirit of God, with the love of God, then that feeling, that infilling of the life of God will cause, you see, the body to be kept under. It will cause those desires to be controlled. And that's what temperance is. It is love's ability to control the sensual appetites and the emotional desires of our flesh. It's love's ability to control the sensual appetites and emotional passions or desires of our flesh. Love manifesting itself in temperance. That's what it is. Now turn with me, if you will, please, to Luke's Gospel, chapter 1 and verse 34. Jesus makes a statement here, and he says in Luke 21, verse 34, Take heed to yourselves. I want you to underline that. Because if Jesus is telling us to take heed, if Jesus is telling you to take heed, if Jesus is telling me to take heed, then what he's about to say is a serious statement. What he's about to reveal is going to enable us to avert some trouble and tragedies in our lives. He says, take heed to yourself. See, someone else can't do this for you. Just like no one else can develop the character of God in your life for you. No one can do that. I can't control your passions. You can't control my passions. I can't control your appetites. You can't control my appetites. We've got to take heed for ourselves, to ourselves, for ourselves. We've got to respond to God for ourselves. We've got to have ears to hear. We've got to have a heart to understand. We've got to have a mind to be open. We can pray for one another to have these things, to possess these things. But, beloved, we can't make one another have these things. We can't push these things over off one another. We, we can, Like I said, we can pray for one another. But, beloved, if a person would be willing to respond to these things for himself, it would make, I mean, it would make the job of the ministry so much easier. It would make it so much easier for, for the life of God to take hold of that person's life. For them to be set free and delivered from all the things of the flesh. Jesus said, take heed to yourself, lest at any time your hearts, your hearts should be overcharged. You know, we are to have our hearts charged up. We are to have our hearts even overcharged. But our hearts are to be charged up and overcharged with the things of God. We are to be filled up and overflowing with the things of God. We're to be stirred up on fire with the things of God so that our hearts are supercharged, just as he said in Jude, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, supercharging ourselves up in the things of God in our heart. Why? So that we can control the passions of the flesh so that we can keep in check the sensual desires and the appetites of the flesh. So be careful, he is saying. Take heed. Watch over yourself. Watch over your spiritual condition and watch over your spiritual life. 
lest at any time your hearts should be overcharged with surfeiting, and surfeiting just means overeating. And, notice this, drunkenness. Now I want you to notice this next one. And the cares of this life. And so that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. Jesus was saying that there is a danger, a danger that exists in the makeup of a human being. If you find yourself in a position that you're being controlled by your sensual appetites, passions, and desires in such a way that you're given over to overeating, if you're given over to drunkenness, if you're given over to the cares of this life, your heart is overcharged with the sensual desires and passions that exist within your physical makeup. And you're not in a position to control those desires and those passions and to be aware of what is taking place and happening in the spiritual realm. You're so under the control of those desires and the sway of your physical composition and makeup as it came in the fall that you're not even in tune with what is happening in the spiritual realm. She says, so be careful that you're not caught up. Now notice this, not only in overeating and not only in drunkenness, but also in the cares of this life. Now let me state it this way. The cares of this life can manifest themselves in overeating and in drunkenness. A person can be so caught up by his sensual appetites and desires, so concerned about his physical life, his physical makeup, that he's given over unto care or unto worry or unto anxiety, just as he could be given over unto overeating and drunkenness. And probably because of his anxiety, because of his worry, because of his care, he's given over to these things. Why does a person overeat? It's a nervous habit. Why? Because he's worried about something, anxious about something, nervous about something. Why does a person drink? He drinks his cares away. Why? He doesn't want to face reality. He wants to be in that drunken stupor so he doesn't have to face the responsibilities and the duties of life. He doesn't know how to face life. A person can be just as intoxicated with life itself in such a way that it manifests itself in worry, frustration, anxiety, cares, troubles, heartache, misery, and it sets ablaze that course of nature until we're so caught up in the physical realm that we actually ignore and neglect to allow the spirit man on the inside to control us or to dominate us. And so Jesus says, take heed, take care, watch over your condition. If you find yourself getting caught up in some of these things, now I want you to say that most Christians don't get drunk. But what about the other two? What about the overeating? What about the cares, being intoxicated with the cares of this life? 
See, we think about controlling the flesh means just our, our ability to control our, our physical appetite to eat so that we don't overeat. But that's not basically what it is. That's a part of it, but that is not the major part of it. And like I says, I'll be honest with you. It's because people are not allowing the life of God to control them on the inside in their spirit man that they're caught up in the worry and they're caught up in the anxiety. They're not controlling their emotional passions and feelings. So consequently, they're given over to their physical appetites. And so what do they turn to? Food. Why are you eating? I don't even know. Just sit down and eat. Well, why are you doing it? I don't know. Just can't stop. Why not? I don't know. My brother and sister, we're not going to eat, eat our problems away. It'll never happen. All it will do is just put more weight on your body. It's not going to make your cares go away. As a matter of fact, you hold, go on back to Matthew chapter 6 from right there and I'll show you exactly what Jesus said about that. Here is a perfect example of intemperance. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, Therefore I send you, take no thought for your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink. Now, why do you say that? Take no thought for your life. In other words, don't have anxiety, don't have worry, don't have care. And let me state it this way, my brother and sister. If we are in worry, anxiety, if we're troubled, if we're taking the cares, if we're frustrated, it's because we're not allowing love to manifest itself in temperance in our lives. We are allowing our emotional passions to control our lives. It is holding the spirit in bondage. It will manifest itself in overeating. It will manifest itself in overdrinking. It will manifest itself in anger. It will manifest itself in frustration. It will manifest itself in disgust. It will do all these things. It will manifest itself in these various different ways. And Jesus is saying to take heed to yourself. Watch out for these things. If you find yourself going on an eating binge and you're not even hungry, but you're just eating and eating and eating and eating. He says, take heed to yourself. That's a spiritual problem. Love is not manifesting itself in temperance in your life. Love is not in control because the love of Christ will constrain us or restrict us from doing things or avoiding things that are harmful to ourselves, to us, to our bodies, or it will avoid us from doing things that will be harmful to others. Love manifesting itself in temperance will prevent us from being in anger towards somebody or breaking forth in rage towards somebody. Love manifesting itself in temperance will prevent us or help us to avoid from being critical about other people. Love manifesting itself in temperance will enable us to control our sensual appetites and emotional passions or desires. It will put restrictions upon the way we act in conduct, the way we treat other people, the way we treat ourselves, the way we respond to the pressures of life. It will assist us in controlling or keeping in check the lusts of the flesh 
so that our flesh will not dominate us, our physical appetite will not dominate us, will not be moved or motivated to overeat, to gain some sense of satisfaction in our lives, will not be moved to a place that we go off and get drunk because we can't handle the pressures of life, or, now please listen, my brother and sister, because so many have preached against this for such a long time, and, you know, both of those, over-drinking, getting drunk, and, and overeating. you know, on this hand, we have those who say, well, you, if you overeat, you're just as bad as someone who's a, an alcoholic who over-drinks. But when it comes to this one called worry, we don't see that as demonstrating intemperance in our lives. We don't see that half as bad, nearly as bad, as somebody who goes off and gets drunk. But my brother and sister, I want you to know that more Christians are more guilty of the sin of worry than the sin of going off and getting drunk. They are more apt to allow their emotions to control their lives, their sensual desires and appetites to control their lives when it comes to the sin of worry than they are the sin of overeating or the sin of, of, of being drunk, overdrinking, being intoxicated. And once again, you'll hear even from the pulpit that these are the things that are the problem. There's that Christian out there who drinks, who overeats, and all, or who smokes, who does this. But my brother and sister... Jesus classified the cares of this world or worry and all that along with them. And he is saying that this also is an indication to us that we are not living a love-controlled, spirit-controlled life. And we must take heed to ourselves. Because if we find ourselves caught up in worry, if we find ourselves caught up even in jealousy, if we find ourselves caught up in criticism, if we find ourselves caught up in a lot of these other things that are expressions of our physical passions and desires and appetites, then our hearts are overcharged. But what are they overcharged with? How does a heart get overcharged? How does a battery get charged or overcharged? How does it? So you've got to put something in it to get it overcharged, right? You've got to have some kind of a generator to generate some power to overcharge that battery. Don't you? Well, what's it been feeding on then? Sensual passions, emotional desires, appetites of the flesh. And that's what worry is all about. And that's why people get jealous about other people because the devil will feed you along those lines. That's why he'll cause you to be critical because he'll feed you with criticism until your man on the inside just gets so generated, so pumped up with it that it's overcharged with all these things. Notice he said your heart be overcharged. See, the heart doesn't eat, does it? The heart doesn't eat. Now, it doesn't eat natural food I'm talking about. It doesn't eat physical food. But what does your heart eat? Spiritual food. And whatever is put into it is what it's going to produce. And if we put all these things inside the heart, he's saying they will be produced. That's why he said that the good man, by depositing the good things into his heart, will bring forth. But the evil one will deposit these things into the treasure of his heart. And his heart will be overcharged with those evil things until he begins to produce those things. So if you're, if you're overcharged with anger, you're going to bring forth anger. If you're overcharged with all these other things, with, with criticism, you're going to bring forth a critical spirit. If you're overcharged with, judge, with a judgmental spirit, you're going to bring forth judgment. 
Whatever you put in is what's going to be produced or brought forth. Let's look at another scripture here. Look at Philippians chapter 4 with me uh, in verse 5. Philippians chapter 4. Now in connection with the same identical thing that Paul brought forth to the church at Philippi. He addressed them concerning the cares of this world. And he says in verse 5, Now we know verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. But in verse 5 he says, Let your moderation, let your self-control, let love's constraint be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Well, what do you mean, Brother Paul? Let my moderation be made known unto all men. Well, what is temperance? It's moderation in the indulgence of the sensual appetites and emotional passions of the flesh. It is exercising self-restraint and self-control and self-discipline by allowing love to constrain us, to restrict us, to avoid from doing things that are wrong, to compel us. As Paul said, the love of Christ is compelling me to do that which is right. And then the next verse he says in, in explanation of this, be what? For what? Now, how am I going to allow my temperance to be made known unto all men? How am I going to demonstrate self-control in this area? How am I going to show forth or bring forth God's love and temperance so that it is seen by all men? He says it right there. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, notice this, that passes all understanding shall protect your heart. From what? From being overcharged. From being overcharged with the passions and the sensual desires and appetites of the flesh. Because, you see, your heart will enter into worry if it's overcharged with all the cares of the day. But if you take it to God in prayer, and if you leave it in His hands, and if you allow love to control your spirit in temperance, now notice how this is going to help our prayer life then once you release that out of your spirit through prayer in God, you know, in God, you give it to God in prayer and begin to thank Him for what He's doing in your life, for what He has done in that prayer, then He says the peace of God will supercharge your heart. The peace of God will overtake your spirit, man. It will not be the flesh responding Passions, lusts that are uncontrolled, taking hold of your spirit. You will rest in the peace of God. It will protect your heart. It will protect your mind. And when you know that you know that you know that you have your request, you're not going to get into worry that's going to make you sit down and overeat and fret and stay up at night and, God forbid, drink. Why? Because the peace of God is ruling or acting as an umpire on the inside of you. Now, notice how these things work hand in hand. 
Now we've got moderation or temperance. Now we've got the peace of God. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Allow the love of God to restrain, to control, to restrict, to compel. All these things. These are the manifestations of the character of God working together hand in hand as a spiritual force on the inside of us, inside our heart, to do what? To come against our emotional desires and passions so that we can control them and dominate them and not allow them to control us and dominate us. Look at this other scripture. We'll close right here. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 27. Well, we better back it up because we have to get it in full context. Verse 24, Know you not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that you may obtain. Everyone that striveth for the mastery is temperate in what? Some things? Some things? Temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run not as uncertainly, so fight I not as one that beateth the air. He's not shadow boxing. But I keep under my body. And if you look that up in the Greek, you'll find out he is saying, I beat my body black and blue. I pulverize it. I take a hold of my body and I beat it black and blue and bring it into subjection to my spirit. That's the I he's saying. I am a spirit. I get a hold of my body with its emotional passions and desires I keep it in check by beating it black and blue. Lest that by any means, when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. And what Paul was saying was, even though he was a great apostle, anointed and called and appointed of God to stand in his office, he recognized that he also was in a warfare. He also was in a race that he had to run. And he also recognized the fact that those who are boxing or those who are racing, they have a problem with the flesh because they've got to remain in training until the time of the fight or until the time of the race. And he says they have to be temperate in all things. They have to exercise self-control. Otherwise, even their body passions will want to dominate them. They'll want to eat the wrong foods. They'll want to be lazy. They don't want to work out as much as they should to tune up and tone up their bodies to keep them in shape. The boxer's going to be out there shadow boxing and doing all that he possibly can. But many times he'll wake up in the morning. He won't, won't, won't want to get out there and jog. He won't want to get out there and run. He won't want to get out there and punch that bag. Skip that rope. He's not going to want to do it every single day. That long-distance runner doesn't want to every, every single day. Oh, his body feels like getting up and doing all that and eating the right foods all the time. No. He says there's rebellion, but they've got to learn to be temperate in all things if they are going to win the prize. And if they will give themselves over unto these things by being temperate, they will be conditioned to run, to win that prize, or to box, and to win the match. But Paul says, I'm not one that's out there that's going to just beat the air. 
I'm not one that wants to run a race and win, win a, a corruptible crown. I've come to recognize that I also am in training. I've recognized that the passions and the central desires of my flesh are in rebellion against the things of God. And that they trouble me everywhere I go. He's the one, beloved, that said your body is a burdensome thing. And we all want to be delivered from this burdensome body. He says, but since we can't, while we're living here upon this earth, I have learned that I've got to buffet my body or beat my body and its sensual desires and appetites, black and blue, so as to keep my body under, lest by any means I would preach to others and then become a castaway myself. Well, now how was he going to do that? Well, number one was through abstinence. We know that. Another way was through mortification. We know that. The Apostle Paul was the one that said, Mortify the deeds of, of your body, your flesh, upon the earth. Your members upon this earth. He said, Put them to death. You know, if you beat something black and blue bad enough, it'll finally die. Did you know that? How many of you have thought about that? You beat your body black and blue, and you keep on beating it and keep on beating it, eventually it's going to die. What's he saying? Let's say it this way. It is said at least takes 21 days for us to change habits or develop habits. He says, I get a hold of my problem areas of my life, and I get a hold of the word of faith, and I make hold fast to my confession of faith without wavering, and I put into action the thing that causes displeasure to my flesh. My flesh does not want to get up in the morning and pray. But I start by getting up in the morning and putting that flesh to the test and telling it, you are going to pray. And I beat it day after day after day after day after day, black and blue, until that sensual desire is put beneath me and no longer controls me and I am in control of my flesh. My flesh will not tell me what to do. You say, I've been in the habit of criticizing people all the time. So the Apostle Paul says, I've had that temptation in my life also. And I have come to recognize the fact that if I allow it to continue in my life, it's going to supercharge or overcharge my, my spirit man with wrong things. So he says, I have learned to beat that portion of my life black and blue. And every time I am tempted to criticize or to talk about other people, what I do is feed myself the Word of God. And day after day after day, I allow the love of Christ to control my tongue. He's talking about keeping under the body. Didn't James say that the, that the body can only be controlled by the tongue? And so Paul is saying the same thing. I have taken God's Word. I have beat my body with it until my body's become black and blue. And it's not going to respond any longer because it's in a weakened condition. I've taken the time to develop my spirit man by speaking the Word to control my physical man with the Word so that I no longer am in the habit of what? Talking about or criticizing other people. You may have been a person who overeats, but you don't recognize or realize that the reason why you overeat is because you're in the sin of worry. And that sin of worry is what's causing you to overeat or to be frustrated 
You're taking the cares of this life and they are controlling your spirit instead of your spirit controlling them. So what are you going to do? You're going to take a hold of the Word of God. It says, be careful for nothing. You're going to take a hold of your body, your emotional passions and your desires, and you're going to meet them face to face in the boxing ring. And you're going to look, I mean, right in the face of the thing that you do wrong, and you're going to say, it's time for war. You may be one who has a problem with your sexual passions, and you may be a Christian, but you're out there committing fornication. Well, the hour is at hand. You're going to get in that boxing ring with your physical body because your physical body is an enemy of yours. And your physical body wants you doomed and destroyed. But you're going to say it's time for warfare. And I'm going to beat you black and blue, you desire of the flesh that I've not been able to control to this point, And I am going to control you by the love of God. And you're going to get a hold of God's holy word. And you're going to start speaking to your spirit, man. You're going to start speaking to your physical body what the word of God says. Well, what does it say? It says the body's not for fornication. And you're going to beat it. I mean, day in and day out and day in and day out and day in and day out until what? Until you control that desire. How? By the love of God. See, my brother and sister, these things don't just happen. They don't just fall out of the sky. It's what, it was set in motion in the fall. God restored life to the spirit, but not to the emotions, not to the physical body. The physical body and emotions rebel against the life of God that is within us. And now we must allow the love of God through temperance to control us. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.